uh, here we go. We're going to pray for Sarah, and Ruth and Carol are going to be talking to us as well this morning. So welcome, Ruth and Carol. Lovely to see you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Father, thank you for the gift of technology that actually even allows us to do part of our morning. And I pray for Sarah, Father, that... Um, yeah, as she brings through the message that she has to share with us this morning, God, that you'll just breathe your life into it and open up our ears to hear the message of your love this morning to each of our hearts. Amen. Uh, so Ruth, who is on the right of your screen right now over there, is going to speak first. Uh, Ruth is joining us from the UK. So this is like wildly international bridge this morning. And then Carol is going to speak. She's wearing a matching t-shirt to me. Look at this. <laughs> Team shirts. Um, she is going to be speaking and she is joining us from the US. So um, uh, I am going to, if you have, because I'm, I'm thinking some of you, stick up a hand if you've never been to a Zoom. You've always only ever been to live. Oh, been to church on Zoom. You've never been to church on Zoom. Oh, you guys are sneaky. Okay. Um, if you haven't been often or recently, then you may not have met these two. Um, but this morning you were going to do so. So we're going to try and get the technology to work so that we can hear them. They can see you. And let's just hope it all works. Amen. Oh, right. Okay. Um, hello. So um, my name's Ruth and I'm from Stockport, which, which is, is South, South Manchester, Manchester in, in England. England. Um, I'm, by I'm a social worker. worker. I, I love, love farming. I love guinea pigs. Um, artsy stuff, stuff and playing, playing the ukulele. ukulele. Um, um, I've, I've not, not been to church, church in years and years until coming to the bridge. And, and the bridge, bridge was, was a, a huge shock to me. Um, I've not really an, experienced anything like the bridge, so um, I'm going to explain why. So my past experiences of churches, there were some good, but there was also a lot of bad, a lot of abuse, um, and a lot of negative things that happened to me in churches because of my sexuality, how I felt about my gender, sort of like because I said I was gay, was unsure about how I felt about my gender and dressed as a man. Um, I got a lot of abuse. And so I was basically told that I was going to hell and that I had to do what they said. Um, otherwise, there was no way God was going to meet with me. So some of the things I experienced were not being allowed to speak, um, not being allowed to do anything in church, no ministry, not allowed to do worship, prayer. Um, I wasn't allowed to travel in other cars with other people. I was told who I could and could not speak to in the church. I was told I had to have um, um, different demons cast out of me to go on fasts and repent, conversion therapy. And the list kind of um, goes on and on and on. So um, 
so probably about 20 years ago, I just stopped going to church. Um, and I've probably in the last five years, I've been unpacking all of the negativity and all of the trauma and sort of like the kind of real kind of darkness that it left me in. And from that, I've been discovering that God is love and that God loves me as I am and that he's not the monster who wants to put me in hell, that he actually just wants to know me and that he wants to love me and that it's okay just to be me and that God is happy singing and wanting to dance with me. So I've kind of been getting to know God, particularly more over the last five years, um, but I've never had any intention of going anywhere near a church ever again. So how did I find the bridge? Well, it was purely by chance, by accident. Um, I randomly came across a podcast on YouTube where Eden was speaking about faith and the church. And I was intrigued because she was talking about being open to the LGBTQI community. And I was like, hmm, is that for real? Because um, I wasn't sure, um, because I've not heard of any church being like that before. And so I've um, been coming ever since really online. So that's only been for the past couple of months. So I didn't know that churches could be kind of like friendly to people that were from LGBTQI communities. Um, I just thought all churches were abusive. Um, so it's been kind of like quite a shock to me to find out that there's a church that's the opposite and that you're kind of like welcoming and that you're talking and you let me speak. Um, I was really very, very shocked to um, sort of like at the happy hour things that I could talk to people and not be told who I could talk to and who I couldn't talk to. And to be asked to speak um, in the meeting just just seems totally mad because it's nothing like um, what I've experienced before because I would never, ever be allowed to say anything, um, not even hello. So, yeah, so it's kind of been a bit mad. So um, I love art and I think there was going to be some really pictures somewhere. I don't know. I can't see. But um, they were, so the art that I used to do was very, very dark and depressive, um, filled with anxiety. And you could safely say I needed to see a therapist because there was so much trauma in them and it reflected pain. But my artwork has now become part of a healing journey and it's kind of full of life and joy and happiness and it very much reflects conversations that I'm having with God, um, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit and Father and it reflects a lot of healing that is happening to me. Um, oh, there you go. I can see them now. So that's kind of something that I do all the time, every day, is loads of arty things. So um, what else was I going to say? So, yeah, I've been um, meeting with God in your meetings, which has been quite a surprise. And, yeah, enjoying them and experiencing God after the meetings because um, I go to a ukulele group. And I've experienced like just the presence of God straight after the meetings at the ukulele group. So that's been pretty good. 
and yeah that's it really so oh everyone's copying All right, thanks Ruth, I appreciate that. Um, um, my name is Carol Berry, guys, and I live in Columbia, South Carolina, which is the capital city of the state of South Carolina. And um, um, I work full-time for the South Carolina Department of Corrections, which is the adult um, uh, correctional system in the state. Um, uh, I had a lot of the same abuse that Ruth talked about. Uh, lots of it um, grow, growing up. Um, my father, uh, I'm, I'm gay, and my father knew that I was gay whenever I was small, and he kind of taught me about um, that, my life and who I was, and he, um, but he died whenever I was in my early 20s, so my uh, protection left, and um and my family just started, uh, I just, it was awful. It was really awful. And um, so, but one thing that I knew at a young age, I don't know how I knew this, but, but I did. At a young age, I knew that the God that everybody was talking about at church and everything else was not real. Something about it just didn't, didn't make sense in my little head that, um, you know, if you want people to know that you care, you know, if you tell them that they're screwed up and you got to ask forgiveness for everything you do. I mean, it was like it was like it was awful. So um, I get I, I guess my explanation of that is Brad Jerzyk's uh, Gospel in Chairs. If you look at if you've ever seen that video, Google it if you haven't. It's wonderful. It it. It kind of, I think that talks to how I knew that it wasn't right and how God was, and Abba was completely working in my life to get me where, you know, where I knew who it was. But um, I found out that I was gay whenever I was in college or high school. And um, at first I was doing everything I could not to be, not to be gay because it was like, you, you know, nobody, nobody liked gay people. And uh, anyway, so I was, I was kicked out of churches. I was, I mean, it, it just, anyway, in 15, 2015 is when I met um, the School of Theology in Portland, Oregon, and uh, John McMurray, Paul Young, Baxter Kruger, and um, um, Hey Scourge, um, several authors. Anyway, I met them, and I... I have to say I was really nervous to go or to uh, attend any of their conferences or anything, but I went anyway and um, just stayed in the periphery and tried not to get too close to them because, you know, had that it was always a burn situation if I went close to a church. Um, but it was Brad Jersey that really, he took me to the side and he we talked and he, you know, it, and what was funny about this is 
that most of my abuse was at the hands of white men. And now it was white men coming in and that was my healing. So um, anyway, I'm looking real forward to um, uh, the School of Theology is coming back to Atlanta um, in November. And I'm looking forward to going and seeing those guys again. But um, they've been, anyway, they've been really, um, I think what I had to, what the healing that I had to go through first was that God loved me and that I wasn't bad. And then in 19 is when he really started, uh, God, Abba started dealing with the um, lesbian, the gay thing. And um, I went to Africa, did a safari with um, Francois and Lydia de Troyes down there. And they, they have a gay son. And so they really helped me to see that it, everything was okay as far as that was concerned. And God wasn't judging me about that. He wasn't. And so um, Sandy and I is my partner. You'll see us together on the screen. Um, she's been a gift from God. And I, I, I can't say that enough. I, I love her dearly. And she's, um, it's, it's, anyway, the, the church, this church, the bridge, I mean, it's it's incredible that you guys are doing this and allowing us to talk and to be ourselves and to talk about our struggles and to talk about what, you know, the pain and stuff like that. It's really good. So um, if you have any questions at all, I'm available. And um, I appreciate the time. I really do. Thanks, Eden and Sarah. Y'all are great. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I sent a picture for sloth too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm an I'm an animal lover, and right now it's, it's a sloth. A sloth. <laughs> I feel like the sloth is me actually. Carol Ruth, thank you so much, both of you. That was amazing. I didn't want you to pump our tires, though, by the way. Because really, this is nothing. Really, it should be nothing. Um, hate will always be present because people are scared. But love should always be louder because people are kind. To choose between being afraid and being kind is a no-brainer. I mean, what are you going to do? I choose kind. I choose love, and in choosing love, I choose against fear. And I, I have to kick my shoes off because I have insect bites on the bottom of my feet that are driving me bonkers. <laughs> but anyway, back to the plot. Um, there are Bible verses that are used against the queer community and their allies, the so-called clobber verses. Um, but I have found it useless to try and counter them. I have found it actually is a waste of breath. Um, you can, it kind of falls on deaf ears, or maybe not actually deaf ears, maybe scared ears, that are set on this is what this means, and it can't mean anything else. And sure, you can get into it if you want to. Good luck. <laughs> I wouldn't, but good luck. Um, but I think, instead, using verses that point to love, and the big, big story that is love, seems to me to be the antidote to most of the offenses. 
If we follow the way of Jesus, which is the way of love, if we follow the way of the creator who made us all in their image, then love leads the way and love wins every single time. Although actually I struggle a little bit with that expression, love wins, because I don't know that love ever wants to get in a battle. I think love is much better at just wrapping their arms around the whole thing and going, let's just stop fighting. So let's talk about love and the very large embrace of the creator. So this is 1 John 4. Um, so we know that God loves us. We depend on it. God is love. Anyone who leads a life of love is joined to God, and God is joined to them. Suppose love is fulfilled among us. Just suppose. Then we can be without fear on the day God judges the world. Love is fulfilled among us when in this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives away fear. That's because fear has to do with being punished. The one who fears does not have perfect love. I choose being like Jesus. I love that sentence in the middle there that says, love is fulfilled among us when in this world we are like Jesus. Self-giving, all including love. This morning, I want to explain my why. Um, and my take on the reason that we are here in this position of having our second yearly pride gathering as an, as an affirming church. Other people on the team and who were part of the church as we process towards this statement of affirmation will have their reasons too, but today I get to tell you mine. My brother came out nearly 20 years ago. I love him. I cannot tell you how big. Like, and if you met him, you would love him too. He is a delightful human. Period. I just love him. And I could not see a way that God didn't. My love is feeble compared to God's. I just could not see a way that God didn't love him. If I love him, then how much more God? When I first heard God call me to pastor, I heard their voice say, tell them they have a father in heaven who loves them. And that has been my entire message for 30 years. I have spent my whole pastoring life trying to communicate that simple yet really profound thing. We have a father in heaven who loves us. I've tried to communicate it in as many ways as I possibly can. The one who made you loves you most. Think of the person who loves you most. Multiply it by the biggest number you can possibly think of. And God loves you even more. God is the one who loves you most. You have a heavenly father who loves you. And my brother being gay did not change that, not even by a fraction of a percent. But here's the rub. I have worked for three different churches since he came out, and they didn't agree with me. Or even if the leadership did agree with me, secretly, the church didn't say it out loud, and that was hurtful to my brother. In my ignorance, I thought it was just my wrestle. I thought it was just my kind of pulling inside of, I love him, but we're not saying that. I, I, I thought it was just me that was wrestling with that fact. But a couple of years ago, he said, I am so mad at you. I put a pride post up, and he was so angry with me. 
He was so mad because I had represented to him the organization that had, like Ruth and Carol said, caused them so much pain. We had a very honest conversation where he told me how angry he was that I worked for the church that was dismissing him, that was saying that he was wrong. And I apologized because I've never felt that, but I realized that in working for churches that did, I was hurting him. No matter how fully accepting and affirming I was, I represented an organization that had been nothing but harm. We were already at that point deeply into the process of becoming affirming as a church and changing the direction. Well, actually, no, not changing the direction, just sort of taking another step in the same direction. But I realized at that point that it was enough. The hurt had to stop. We had to put a line in and go, no more. Like, no more. I re realized the urgency of it from him and from everyone like him. Enough. They were in pain, like Ruth and Carol said, because of how the church was shunning them, trying to change them or make them live less than authentically just to fit in. This is my why. This is my why for being, for my part, in pursuing the process of changing the bridge from an, an inclusive and secretly affirming organization. Because we were. Like, if you'd have dug a little under the surface, we were already. We just weren't saying it out loud. And we needed to say it out loud. A few weeks ago, I was accused on the socials. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was funny. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. Calm. Um, I was accused on the socials of ruining the church that Brian and Dean started um, and taking everyone to hell in a fruity handbasket. I mean, first of all, delicious. I present. Second of all, hell. What? Actually. If I'm taking anybody to hell, it's actually taking everybody away from the hell that you're making them live in. Enough already. Um, I had written down here, I'd like to apologize for not having it, but I, I, I stopped on the way to church and just bought it because I went, I just have to. It's 50 bucks, that basket. <laughs> Stupidly expensive fruit right now. Please help yourself after. You're worth it. Um, I, I told Dean that um, we were having supper the other night, and I told Dean that this was what somebody had said, and he just laughed. He just said, you haven't, and this is where we were going anyway, if you're at all worried, which I wasn't, but anyway. We'd been leaning this way for a long time. It was just we needed to say it out loud. And so the team and Eden and I worked to make it obvious to anyone who cared to look. It doesn't matter until you have skin in the game. Or maybe it does. But my observation of people who've joined us along the way is that the majority have come because they have skin in the game. And by that, I mean their own. I've been quietly queer for a long time. I'm a 52-year-old, never having married, never wanted to be married woman. Couldn't care. 
quietly queer. I think there's a letter for me in there. Um, so this, your skin might be your own, somewhere in the LGBTQIA2S+, alphabet soup, as my friend calls it. Um, all of who you are is welcome here. We love you and everything that you bring to the table. Your skin, the skin that you're thinking of might belong to somebody else, somebody else that you love, like my brother. And if they want it, there's a place here at the table too. It may take a while, like, like Ruth said. Like she stepped out of church and it took a long time to come back. It may be that you have come to see that you can't live the double existence of affirming on the inside but worshipping at a place that doesn't. You can't feel one thing and worship in a place that communicates the exact opposite. Skin in the game. A real person with soft, bruisable flesh is what makes the difference. Because love and kindness has to lead the way. So come feast at the fruity handbasket. And I am so sorry that it took us too long to get here. Um, 1 John 3 says this, Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know very well the, that eternal life and murder don't go together. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his love for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. I was like, oh, I felt that one. I had the means to do something about it and I'm sorry it took me so long to do so. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we actually moved pretty fast once we got a speed up. But we were slow like molasses to get going, and I'm sorry. This is the rest of that passage. It says, my dear children, let's just, let's just not talk, let's, oh, hard to say, let's not just talk about love, let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something for, to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more than, about us than we do ourselves. God is greater than our worried hearts and he knows more about us than we do ourselves. Practicing real love is how we live in God's reality. I imagine drawing a big circle, like as big as I can draw, and inviting everyone in. But then I see that actually my circle is inside of a much bigger circle that God is drawing with a much bigger pencil that wraps around the whole thing. God's circle of love is massive. The circle is Christ and everyone and everything is in him. So I can lay down my puny little pencil where I'm drawing a circle. <laughs> Come in everybody, like, really? And just encourage everyone to realize that you're already in the circle. The circle's massive. And friends, uh, this is the rest of that passage. Once that's taken care of, and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, we are bold and free before God. We're able to stretch our hands out and receive what we have asked for because we're doing what he said, doing what pleases him. Again, this is God's command, to believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep 
and abiding presence in us by the spirit he gave us. Well, let's do it. God, I pray for everybody today who's stuck in fear that you would pour out your perfect love and you would cast out fear of every kind. Let there be freedom. Amen.